Good morning. It's a daisy. Thank you. Okay, that's better, I think. <laughs> Can everyone hear us? I'm not hearing an awful lot on my end. Maybe it's just because my ears are all plugged because I'm still kind of got a bit of a cold. So give us a thumbs on. up or say hello where you're listening from. We just need to know mm -hmm. if uh, folks are connected and can hear us. We're uh, uh, greeting you from Amarillo, <laughs> Texas this morning, home of uh, steaks and uh, diesel pickups. Yep. 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 So my mother had surgery. They moved her surgery forward. Um, we were supposed to be on Thursday, tomorrow, and they moved it forward yesterday morning. Yeah. That went beautifully. The surgery went it well. It did. She uh, seemed pretty happy. Yeah. 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 yeah happy you can be with <laughs> cruising your vertebrae <laughs> well and also being on all sorts of pain medications and things so yeah yeah, yeah she's she seems to be doing pretty well yep so, so so we got a big subject today one quick thing to point out oh yeah Those of um, you notice anything different yeah. about the kickoff of the show this morning yeah we are um we have um decided from here on forward that uh buy here pay your nation tv since we really have made the move into um, uh, nation TV being, it's a multimedia, uh, channel. And so the, the morning show will be held, um, under that umbrella. So we'll be doing that, um, stinger for the nation TV before and after it's still going to be broadcast in the, in the, um, on the different Facebook groups and YouTube and, and also syndicated, but mm -hmm. that is, uh, from moving forward from now on is that that will be part of what we do with the, with the morning show. Right. So yeah. just all under the umbrella. <laughs> so now you'll see the stinger out yeah. there. Um, part of nation. You can TV. probably hear like gravel. I feel like I've got a lot of gravel in my, in my. Yeah. It sounds yeah, a little it different feels, than normal, yeah, but uh, as long as folks are yeah. hearing us, it's okay on my side. Oh. But yeah. So, um, just <laughs> wanted to, uh, First, yeah. apologize for the sniffling and all yeah, the stuff. I mean, I think to... I think I have all of the symptoms on the NyQuil bottle today. I mean, all the ones they list there. So um, that's kind of so we're trying yeah. not to do. And I I got to share, Michelle. <laughs> I think our audience is ready. Michelle, when I met Michelle, when I was sniffly, she said, "Sound like you have sniffleus." <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And and so many of you are welcome yeah. to use that phrase. Just know uh, you might owe a small royalty yeah, of some kind to Michelle. Of course, I know that's yeah. her, her word. Yeah. But. Um, George just posted something about the $1,000 dealer dock fees for new cars. Oh, and wow. uh, yeah, that's a pretty hot topic this morning. Yeah. And um, uh, I, there was a post that was put out there by Bill Elizondo about the um, the uh the lawsuit right now against one of the big franchise dealers in State of Indiana. Indiana. I think, yeah. yeah. So um, we, uh, yeah, we, I think that we've already kind of addressed where we stand we with doc fees and um, well, when you say where yeah. we stand, it's just or one more thing we, yeah. about it's, it's a topic that we've covered before. Like it's something that mm -hmm. um, we, it's just a visibility thing or, you know, in politics, they would call it optics. Like what does it look yeah. like to the consumer? And so today we're obviously bringing the, the conversation of trust. You know, our title was, um, you know, trust me, I'm a used car salesman. Right? I, well, so, and, and that the whole doc fee thing too, kind of just, it folds into some of that as well. So, yeah. um, so it's all part of a larger yeah, subject. It really is. It's part of what you can expect to hear from us on white hat Wednesdays. Yeah. We talk through these things and yeah, I had a, an idea this morning throughout a poll and and i think it's one of those things where you know everybody's out there trying to survey mm -hmm. customers and we're trying to learn and we're part of that i uh, see emily del tufo said hello from pennsylvania she's yes. working with us to help create a, a poll with yeah. an idea that will yeah. survey both dealers and their consumers so we hope to learn more on this that you know is more specific 
to these kind of things. But I think for today, I just want to know, you know, it's a hard thing to prove. Does, does having a customer trust us lead to more sales? And yes, there's lots of nuance around that. There's lots of mm -hmm. variables, you know, around that particular thing. But I want to just keep it simple. Just yes or no. Do we think that being trusted translates into more sales? And as a broadcast time, the, the right. results were 36 to one that yes. Well, I mean, and, and you would think, okay, so you, you think about yourself as a consumer that you're not going to go, go to a business that you just, you don't trust the people that run it unless you have absolutely zero other option. You're just not going to do that, yeah. right? You can I mean, make yeah. that case about food even. But, you yeah. know, there's some purchases that you're going to make that you don't need to trust them. You're going to get in and grab the thing on mm -hmm. the shelf. And if it is what it is and the price is agreeable, then that's fine. Yeah. We don't have that good fortune in our line of work. Like mm -hmm. we. We already have a disadvantage we have for a the stigma. most part. Yeah. yeah. We have a stigma. Mm -hmm. We're so, uh, We tend to be distrusted. Mm -hmm. And uh, so certainly, you know, we recognize the folks that are tuned in to social media and certainly people in success and the people that we meet at the conferences, those are the dealers that are out there, you know, striving to do things right, whatever the definition of right might be. Mm -hmm. But they're certainly trying to, to do that. And they're striving to be trusted. And I think for me coming from first retail business, I was in the retail business and sporting as a business before I ever got in the car business in 95. And then a couple of years in, in the new car business, salesperson, sales manager, I was highly certified. Like I want to say my CSI ranking or ratings were like 98, 99%. Um, CSI ranking. Uh, CSI was customer yes. satisfaction. Index. Okay. I was so, it's, yeah. not, it's not like the show yeah. crime scene yeah, investigators. Right. The CSI. Yeah. Okay. So it was a, it was a, a customer satisfaction score that, you know, mm -hmm. every new car purchased, you know, the survey went out. Yeah. And uh, so I was highly rated and, but I also didn't do as much volume, which is part of what kind of begs this question. I, I'm quite sure that the approach that I was using was going to lead to more satisfied customers and a more consistent flow mm -hmm. of customers over time. Like I was going to earn more trust and I was going to get more repeat and referral business mm -hmm. because of the trust that I established as a salesperson. And so while my volume, I certainly met people that were far more talented and sold more volume you know, than I did, but they tend to have a lot of the, what they call heat cases, you know, a lot of unhappy customers. Mm -hmm. Why? Because they oversold them or promised them something that, you know, then they didn't deliver. And so you had a lot of unhappy customers. You had more sales, but you had a lot of unhappy customers. So I think in buy here, pay here, most everybody that I talk to recognizes that we're playing a long game yeah. in buy here, pay here. We're really, you know, customers are going to be with us for three plus years. Uh, we're going to have an ongoing relationship. And we, we know that those folks who are our customers today are talking to coworkers and friends and family members. Usually that's your, yeah. I mean, they're friends with your customer mm -hmm. base as well. So, yeah. So some yeah. level of trust mm -hmm. at the time of delivery is one thing. And then we can just further, you know, solidify that trust mm -hmm. after delivery by following through on the things that were said. And we talked about this some in a recent broadcast is like, it's one thing to say it on the day of delivery. And, and, you know, tell customers that you're going to take care of them, that you're going to be there to back up your warranty or whatever that looks like. And then it's another thing to actually do it, to, to actually be um, available and to, to follow through and do exactly the things that you, you promised at the time of delivery. And that's where you cement or solidify the trust that you hope you have, uh, 
you know, started to create. So I had a fun conversation with uh, Jack Carterman, if you know him, is involved in leadership and long time dealer out in um, Georgia. And he said, absolutely. In that poll, he said, absolutely. I work very hard. I will do about anything to defend my reputation. So I asked him, I said, it's a tough question, but like, what is it that you, how is it that you can be so confident that trust, having a level of trust with your consumers and having a solid reputation translates into more sales? Mm -hmm. So I don't, I haven't seen his answer yet. And I, I think I would just pose the same thing to all of you. 36 out of 37 so far have said, yes, it does translate to more sales. How do you know? Like what, what can you point to? Yeah, yeah, that really translates into more sales. And I think we're, you know, we're trying to just make that case. I think we all generally understand that's true, but. Yeah, I, I would kind of like uh, from, from an outside observer, mm -hmm. I would say that a lot of that would be about what kind of repeat, what kind of referral, what kind uh -huh. of, what kind of volume are you getting from, from those? Mm -hmm. um, because that to me is, you know, you're not going to get referred yeah. You're not going to buy again from yeah. someone who you don't trust. And so I think that that, um, I would think as a consumer, that would be a, one of the big indicators for, um, well, as a dealer yeah. is, is, um, you know, how much, what kind of percentage am I getting of repeat or referral business yeah, that's is, a, good thing to is a good thing to measure. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we used to track also what we called a rollover transaction, which sounds negative maybe, but what we meant was the mm -hmm. customer steps into another car uh, before they've uh, finished paying off the other one. So that would be a different differentiator from a repeat. That would right. Be a so the customer okay. who chose yeah. to roll into another car before they ever finished paying off the other one, we tracked that stuff very uh, closely and uh, we had very good numbers on, on that. So that's, that's a, certainly an indication of why mm -hmm. it would translate in more sales. Because in our case, it's one thing to sell. Uh, and, you know, there are a lot of dealers that understand this quite well. It's like, it's one thing to sell, um, you know, a volume, it's another thing to keep the customers, mm -hmm. you know? And so, yeah. uh, it's, there's two ways for us to grow our portfolio. One is to, you know, sell more cars and create more contracts. Another is to reduce our, our charge offs and mm -hmm. the kind of the attrition from payoffs and lost customers. Yeah. So, you know, I guess we say three with that list, but, but basically it's, it's just a question of, so how do you do that? How do you create trust? Well, obviously first, it would be to be true to your word, follow through on the things yeah. you promise and resist the temptation to oversell, you know, in the interest of creating volume. So, so we should stop and say, hello. I know we, I saw a hello from, uh, from far West Texas. That's going to be yeah. um, probably the <laughs> Lubbock or El Paso yeah. area. And then uh, I got Cesar, Cesar is the West Texas and then GR Moore is Corpus Christi. Mm -hmm. So Good morning yeah. to you guys, Jennifer Finlay in Florida. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so I think. How do we do it? I okay. mean, because, you know, uh, um, I, I think that there's, you know, there's one thing to uh, when you say being true to your word. And so to me, that holds don't over promise. Yeah. Um, and if anything, um, equal promise or under promise so that yeah. you can blow them away with mm -hmm. what it is that you're willing to do. I mean, be supportive and let them know you're going to be there to support, support the customers, right. your customers and um, our customers. Yeah. But um, it's, it's, you know, being able to actually deliver. So don't over promise. And, and that's one thing that I, I've observed as mm -hmm. we've, as we've worked with a lot of different um, 
different dealers is that when you when you have someone that comes in that has a long history of sales, I've worked franchise, you know, I had the best numbers. I mean, it looks, it's very, very beautiful trappings mm-hmm. for a dealer who's looking for someone to come in and, and um, help them. Cause it's like, oh my gosh, I do need, I need X amount of sales a month. And this guy, he can deliver. Mm-hmm. Well, or girl, yeah. this person yeah. <laughs> um, uh, can deliver, and and that uh, what I've what I've witnessed is that there's just there's a lot of times this level of I'll say anything to get the sale, sure. and saying anything to get the sale frequently equates yeah. to overpromising. Yeah, and it's one thing to have an unhappy customer in a retail cash transaction where the mm-hmm. customer bought it, contract signed, they own it. Mm-hmm. Like it's a pretty straightforward deal. Obviously, in buy here, payer, we have an ongoing relationship. So when you got an unhappy customer mm-hmm. three days in or three weeks into a contract, then that just makes for a recipe. It's really yeah. difficult. It's uncomfortable for everybody involved. And so, well, and then you have a customer that comes back and it's like, well, he said, she said, he said, she said, if you've got that happening, then there's a problem. There's a disconnect to what it is that, that, that is being said. Yeah. And like I always say, just generally in business, but certainly our clients hear me say, look, we got enough challenges and problems and buy here, payer. We got enough headaches. Let's don't create our own, yeah. you know? So there are things that we can do to avoid creating our own headaches. And this is kind of in the category of one of the things we can do is let's not overpromise. So back to the ways about how do you, like if you're working with a new salesperson, you got a brand new salesperson, how are you going to train them? And what, um, you know, ideally you bring, bring in somebody in who's not necessarily, well, I say ideally, we recommend, mm-hmm. we like working with clean slate people with sales for buy here, payer because we don't think of them as salespeople. We think of them as more customer advocates, customer service. And so we train them to do the part yeah. that we want to do. So obviously you're starting from a clean slate. It's a little easier. And we've got some clients in that position now who, you know, I followed that recommendation. They've hired some people that are, you know, brand new to sales and, and uh, the buy here, payer space. So it gives us a chance to train them, you know, to do certain things. So certainly among the very first things, and you, you heard me say this to our clients new hire the other day on the meeting is like, the first thing is just listening. Like you, you really just want to try to be the customer's advocate because you can better solve problems when you can identify the problems, listen so, actively. Uh, well, which is hearing. Right. And, and um, so what does it, what, it, what does that mean when you're listening, listening active, or, well, active listening is hearing. So how does that, how, do, how does someone feel like they're actually being listened to? And, you know, one of the things that, that uh, I, I've, dealt with um, in my pat in my career in the past is having customer service reps um, that would have people call in that would have a problem or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was to it's parroting is one way to do that. It's like, as you're listening and you're, you know, you're asking the questions, what do you need that you mm-hmm. parrot? Okay. So here, what, this is what I'm hearing you say. And then you repeat the things and people that really does help people feel like you're listening to them. Yeah, um, when when you can repeat what they have to say, and then you can come up with a, okay, so based on that, here's what I think. Or mm-hmm. I have a follow up question, or, so that yeah. I'm because that ties into something else I'd be striving to do, and you just do this naturally when you're listening, mm-hmm. and you're trying to solve the customer's problem. Then, as you listen and you ask follow up questions, you're demonstrating to them in a very clear way. Mm-hmm. They hear you asking those questions, and they conclude that, oh, this person really has my best interests in mind. They're mm-hmm. not just trying to sell me their most aged unit on the lot. You follow? Mm-hmm. So it's like, forgive me, I'm trying to jostle a trope, lozenge, cough drop. So I think um, we're really just trying to uh, make sure that the customer can see 
in our dialogue. So there's other things, obviously, and we're not trying to train people on body language and eye contact, but we do know that that's a very real thing mm. for people. We've all experienced it. So I think we've actually talked about that in, um, in some of our addresses about how is buy here, pay here, like a chicken sandwich. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's that, um, that eye contact and sure. you know, how you communicate with someone is, yeah. and that's one of the things that's taught by Chick-fil-A is that when you talk to someone, you make eye contact. Yeah. And, you, and so, you know, I'll, I'll just demonstrate like one of the things we teach in, in uh, some of our training with working with salespeople is the idea of, asking for down payment like it's a it's an important mm -hmm. thing we we certainly the customer wants to do as little down payment as possible and we get that and um so now the question is as a, a first uh, one of the early things that happens in the process we you know we're meeting a customer and so if i look the customer in the eye and i say to them i know we talked about on the lot that you're hoping to get into something with about 800 down i can just tell you we typically the, the down payment that we recommend to give you the best chance of getting a loan approved is going to be 15%. So on the car that you've chosen, it looks like that down payment would be around $2,300. Is there any chance you could do $2,300 today? Like that's going to increase the chance of approval. It's going to help with um, keeping your payments lower. And, uh, and obviously it's going to uh, save you some interest if you can do that. Is that, is it and at all possible that you could do $2,300? And you notice as I did that, I looked right into their eyes. I have no, nothing to hide there. Mm -hmm. Why? Because if they can do $2,300 instead of $800, it's in their best interest. So I'm asking for their benefit as much as for ours. Yes, it's going to help us with approval and it's going to cut the dealer's risk in the deal for sure. But I gave three reasons that it helps the customer, three ways mm -hmm. that it helps the customer. So I look them in the eye and, and, and I can be trusted in asking for that. And they're not going to get upset. You know, they might say, Oh no, I can't, I might be able to do a thousand, you know, they might come mm -hmm. back with something like that, but I'm just, I have no hesitation about asking because I'm looking them straight in the eye and I'm asking those questions in a very, you know, thoughtful way. And I'm, and I really am doing it from a place of this is really as much to help you, probably more to help you. Can you do $2,300? Mm -hmm. And then we land somewhere in between, but it's just an example. I think the other things for me would be, like I say, just other ways that you demonstrate that. And then I, I just always try to avoid the little private meeting. You know, if we, we most of us have bought a new car at some oh point in our life. Oh my gosh, that's the thing I hate the worst. Don't you hate it? It's and like, so um, yeah. It's some level of distrust, you know, you go in to buy a car mm -hmm. and the salesperson disappears from the desk and goes to the sales manager's office. And maybe you can see them through a glass or maybe not, but what does it look like? It looks like they're in there conspiring and strategizing <laughs> against me. They're talking quietly where I can't hear them. And yeah. if I were managing as a sales manager, those conversations would happen at the desk, like at the customer, where the desk, where the customer is, I would come out from the desk, sit with the customer and the salesperson, and we would talk through it. There would be mm -hmm. nothing, there would be no conspiring behind closed doors or, you know, behind some glass where they can't hear me. Those conversations are very transparent. Mm -hmm. It's all in the interest of, we're trying to get this, figure something out that works for you and for us. So why, why would we be, you know, hiding that? So I think it's just, it's yeah. um it's one of the things that we can do specifically to help you know maintain a high level of trust with the consumer and uh, like i say transparency goes a long way you know we dreamed a little deal about the white hat way elements you know the, the the things that we feel like are part of that transparency is one of the ways that you build trust you know and just oh help. yeah and then you just continue yeah. to do that you're consistent you're consistently transparent you're consistently showing that you have the customer's best interest at heart and i think it's not hard to see it's hard to prove it's but it's not hard to see how when we're 
when we function that way day after day after day, why we would end up creating more customers long-term. Mm -hmm. And I think this is even more true. I've said it many times over the years. Like, I think this is even more true in the smaller markets. If oh, you're a big absolutely. City, if you're in a metropolitan yeah. area and you can run new ads and see new customers mm -hmm. week after week, that's one thing. But in a smaller market, at some point, you're going to run through all your customer base. And, and it's a smaller market, which means that uh, having been visiting a small town, mm -hmm. everybody knows everybody. Yeah. And so, you know, you have one bad experience and sure. it can, it can spread pretty quickly sure. if there's some kind of, you know. And look, the nature problem. of our business of any kind of business is there always going to be some level of miscommunication, right? It's been my yeah. experience. And I've said this to customers plenty of times when you're sitting with an unhappy customer, you can just tell them, you know, most times these things can be attributed to miscommunication. Let's yeah. figure it out. Let's see where we went wrong. Odds are we're not facing any kind of problem that we can't solve today, mm -hmm. you know, and so that, but it just goes a long way, but we know there's going to be some miscommunication, but we just know the price that we pay. When you talk about small community, maybe you got three major employers and somebody goes to work, you know, is grumbling about, you know, they're upset because of the situation with their car dealer and they tell the story about how they were oversold something and they promised this and then mm -hmm. didn't do it. And it's not, it's, it's easy to see. It's hard to prove how that hurts volume. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's, it's kind of one of those intangibles. Yeah. Too. Cause you can't get, you, uh, it, uh, George just mentioned, you know, in some places, black hat dealers would have their customer's desks bugged. Well, oh, you can't, wow. you can't bug a customer for when they go to work yeah. or when they're, you know, um, right. on their break right after they have had a bad interaction sure. or something with, yeah. with, uh, with the dealer or one of the, the dealer's team. Yeah. I would also say that trust, um, you know, we, we can talk an awful lot about the, the front end of, you know, how do you establish trust at the beginning, but for the, for the customers that you have that are long-term, part of that also is, yes, are you willing to follow through on helping, but yes, are you willing to follow through and be consistent on the things that you say, this is, you know, you do this, I do this, you yeah. do this, I do this, you do this, I do this, you do this. And that, you know, it's, it's, um, I think that there's there's a level of, you know, when and we need you to do this, we need mm -hmm. you to 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 do what you've um, said that you would do. Yeah. Um, we're willing to help you, and then be able to follow through on the helping, and yeah. being able to follow through on the on the. All right. Well, there's a natural consequence to what sure. it is that just happened, and and but it's that's also I think a trust thing, and that that yeah. I think that that you can still you can still create a, a level of all right, I get it. Um, yeah. you know, that this, that, that, uh, you're going to help me. Mm -hmm. Um, but I have to help myself right. too. So I think we can, uh, we can start to wrap up there, but I think, uh, the thing I would try to kind of close on is this idea that, you know, trust and respect in my experience tend to go hand in hand. And remember mm -hmm. I'm somebody who grew up in farm and ranch country. And so, you know, having a level of trust and respect was a big deal. And, um, just because, you know, you gotta be neighborly and you're counting on your neighbors to help you out in certain situations, whatever, or you're stepping in to help others and you earn trust and respect in the process. But I think in our line of work, how do I earn trust? Cause I, I definitely am, am a firm believer that you, you earn it. You don't mandate it. Like if, if one of you dealers that's listening, if you hired me tomorrow as your salesperson and I showed up, how would I start to earn the trust of the customers coming in? I have my own ideas. I know what I would do. Now, if you hired me to be the manager of your sales team, how would I earn the trust of the sales team? I know that one of the ways that I would do is I wouldn't demand that anybody trust me. 
I wouldn't demand yeah. that anybody respect me. I would expect to earn their trust. And the way that I would do that is by showing day after day after day that I'm in their corner. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You show up, you demonstrate, and this is true for the customer. Forgive me. Motions run close to the surface. And this is very real for me. Like yeah. it's a way that we, we earn that by just showing up and letting them see that we are going to be the same tomorrow as we are today and that we were yesterday and that consistency and Showing they don't ever, up. they don't ever hear yeah. anything out of my mouth. That's contrary to what I'm saying to them. And that's how you start to earn trust and respect. And so this is true in our sales departments too. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I, I think also about when you say that there's nothing, it's a consistent thing that's being communicated. That's one of the things I love about what Maggie does yeah. with the phone training. It's like just consistency here is a word track, you sure. know, um, and but it's making sure that all of the things are done and that people know and they understand that you're, you know, it's like we're running a business and we're here to help you. But, you know, let's go through the things and make sure that we've we've mm -hmm. dotted all the I's and that they can trust that they can yeah. trust that you these people really have, you know, they 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 have their processes and mm -hmm. and that they, you know, they're they're taking care of business and they yeah. still care. We can save for a future conversation. Like mm -hmm. I think this whole concept of becoming known, liked and trusted. trusted. It pretty much goes in that order. They yeah. have to know you first. Then the question for me becomes, do they really have to like you to trust you? Like, I don't, I don't honestly know the answer. I think that's generally true, but I think we can flesh that out in a future conversation, but it's like, certainly they have to first know you. Mm -hmm. And then through knowing you, we have to earn that trust. Yeah. And you know, there's degrees of that, but I think on, on the day that the customer's buying a car, in that hour and a half that we spend with the customer, we can earn some level of trust through the things that we talked about here. And, and then we just want to make sure and continue that as we, you know, move forward. Then we just show again and again that I'm yeah. still, I still mean tomorrow what I said to you the day you were buying your car. That's, that's a huge one for me is you gotta, you gotta walk your talk, you know? Absolutely. So, being consistent. That's yeah. just, it's being consistent. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Same promises under, uh, under promise. <laughs> Don't yeah. over promise. Be consistent. Yep. All righty. Well, Let's... um, just before we wrap up and uh, finish up, just reminder that this Friday is the first Friday of the month. And on the first Friday of the month, we always have Jeremy, Jeremy from back NIDA. from NIDA. And so I'm sure there's going to be a lot to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. The whole DPG thing will <laughs> be a yeah, part of the subject. And, yeah. uh, and then don't forget March 30th, we still got that on. Uh, for those mm -hmm. of you that are participating in that, I, I, my mother's surgery kind of threw the, the agenda off. I got to get that wrapped up and out. So, but the agenda is mm -hmm. super strong. It's just a question of who's going to sit where. And uh, so yeah. we're, we're excited about that. So don't forget March 30th. We got that event yeah. coming up. So um, have yourselves a great rest of your Wednesday. We really appreciate you all tuning in and dealing with our scratchy. Yeah, sniffly. <laughs> scratchy sniffles. Mm -hmm. So um, have a fantastic day, and uh, we will see you guys on Friday. Thanks so much. Have a good one.